Welcome, everybody, to the newest episode of the Amateur Theory Podcast um, and the second episode of 2021. So we got a good show for you. We got, uh, we're going to talk about With Nail and I, a cult classic uh, British comedy film. We're going to talk about the surprising success of the new Demon Slayer movie. Uh, but before that, we all just saw the new trailer for Godzilla vs. Kong. And I just want to hear everyone's kind of first impressions. You know, the first, first question, I guess, is did this trailer make you more or less excited about the movie? You know, did it just do its job of getting you hyped? So, um, I, I should say that I did not feel very hyped for the premise of this movie. Um, King Kong and Godzilla are just two IPs that don't incite excitement under most circumstances for me. Um, but this sounded pretty silly, silly fun romp, and uh, not every commercial delivers on expectations, but this one was working really hard to, to like, fit those expectations. Um, I don't know. I thought there was almost something kind of comical about the commercial, like almost a Rick and Morty interdimensional cable vibe at times where it's just, it was just like, we need Kong. There's a girl. She has a connection. But then there's something under the sea. And it's just, and then like rap music. Oh, yeah. It's just, I'm sorry. It's just, there was so much. And yeah, I don't know. I tried to be fine. Because I know you're a Godzilla fan. Yes, I've been a Godzilla fan since I was four years old. I've seen every movie. Um, except for all the anime ones, I guess, technically. But frankly, who gives a shit about those? Um, but I was, I was going to see this movie no matter what, basically. Um, um, so I... Uh, didn't necessarily like need a trailer to get me hyped because I was just oh yep Godzilla fighting King Kong that is for me that gets me pumped. <laughs> if we want an opposite perspective from Adam, <laughs> um, but the trailer was <laughs> silly, over the top, which is I'm mean, Godzilla. It's two it's two big monsters fighting like what. <laughs> What else are you going to do? And this is the thing. Um, the plot, I mean, the last Godzilla movie, like the actual human element, the plot was very... Eh. You, you just go to see big monsters fighting each other. At this point, that's how I feel. Um, and this trailer was basically just that, and it made it look very cool. Like, fighting in a big, like, neon-lit city, it's like... <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm. I was already hyped, but I am still hyped. So, <laughs> so uh, let me let me put my perspective, which is smack dab in the middle, I guess. Um, my my thing with like the Godzilla movies is that every time one is about to come out, I think like that looks really cool. Like I'm definitely gonna watch that, and then I don't. That's that's been a consistent theme of all the last. So like of of this franchise, right? The monsters franchise. I've only seen one of them, which is the first King Kong. I've missed all of the others. Kong uh, Skull Island? Yeah. 
So I saw that. That was the only one I've seen. I enjoyed that well enough. I'm sure I would have enjoyed the other ones, um, but they're not like, you know, what I'm my favorite movie and I'm looking forward to. I'm not like super excited to see them. I just think they look somewhat interesting. Given that HBO is doing this thing where they're like putting out movies, uh, you know, on their service, that makes me a little bit more excited than I would normally be. Um, so I, I'll probably watch this one. In fact, this is probably going to be the next movie that we do for this podcast. Like, let's be real. Probably the biggest release <laughs> coming up pretty soon. Um, but uh, I, I enjoyed the trailer. I thought it was fun. It looked a little silly, which I kind of like. I like campy, big action stuff. Uh, the only thing is, is that it seemed like there was like a lot of plot elements. Like, I don't know who this girl is. Is this stuff that, having seen all this other, the other movies, is this like previous things that you needed to have learned from watching it? Or can I just jump into this, you think, and just be fine? You can probably just jump into it and be fine. I mean, you might be lost on some stuff, but it doesn't really matter all that much because, like I said, the human drama was never quite what you went there for. And it was never that well done in the first place, I'll admit. Is the girl, she's a recurring character, this person that Kong has a connection with? No, I've never seen it before. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's good to know, I guess. <laughs> yeah, so I recognize how... some of the people from the trailer. Like, I think you saw Eleven from Stranger Things for a split second. And she was in the last uh, Godzilla movie. Um, I did recognize Along her. with her father character. I can't remember um, the actor's name. Yeah, but this girl with the fancy connection to Kong, and it looked like the woman who was talking about it, I don't recognize them. So. Yeah, somehow I doubt that these monster movies are going to be very purist. You need to know the, the lore for our big blockbuster action movie. I mean, you know, uh, and here's the thing. I, I didn't want to give the impression that I would that i'm like super dismissive of this movie because um that kind of movie where it's really silly does appeal to me on a certain sense i've actually seen both godzillas both of the previous godzillas uh, i don't think i've really ever seen a king kong film now that i think about it um but uh and i thought the first godzilla that i saw of the recent of these recent franchise was actually pretty good um there were elements of it that i liked a lot i heard that the uh, first godzilla is supposed to be better than king of the monsters which is the most recent one yeah i didn't like that this most recent one it weirded me out in some ways <laughs> um yeah i'd say uh that first godzilla film is probably just a better movie um king of the monsters has more big name kaiju fighting each other um so in that regards, it's a better movie. Um, but yeah, the first Godzilla movie, I'd say, is probably the more well-made film. And out of all of them, I'd say Kong Skull Island is actually probably the best one. Just yep. in terms of like a good movie. But I'm a Godzilla fanboy, so I, <laughs> I go for Godzilla, not Kong. Yeah, I mean, I guess my, if I had to give like a final verdict, am I more or less hyped after the trailer? I'm going to put me firmly in the more hyped. Like, my expectations have been simultaneously lowered, and I am more excited for the movie simultaneously after <laughs> watching this. That's kind of my feelings. 
What would you guys say as far as like a final verdict before we move on? Um, I think that this, it's not like this commercial put me off to the idea of it. Um, I, I wasn't super high on it, the idea of uh, watching it. Uh, of course, it's on HBO, it's free. So uh, I think I will. I think I will see it, especially if it's for this uh, podcast. But my point is, is that this commercial didn't deter me from it. It just kind of confirmed my expectations. Yeah, it like like I said before, I was going to see this movie probably no matter what. Um, and this <laughs> it's a pretty fun trailer, I think. Like it's silly. It was making me laugh, but in a in a good way. And I might even go to the theaters to see it just because I love Godzilla that much. I it's big monsters like smacking each other around. It's it's made for the big screen. <laughs> Speaking of the big screen, that kind of brings us to our second topic. Um, Demon Slayer the movie has broken records in Japan as the now their number one grossing movie of all time, uh, beating out Spirited Away, which had the, the old title. And this is interesting for a number of reasons to me. Probably most because it's we're in the middle of a pandemic which means that theaters are not at full capacity. They're, they're kind of have limited seats. And this movie still managed to break the record as the most popular movie in Japan. We've talked a lot about this podcast, about like kind of the downfall of movie theaters that's been happening in the U.S. So for like a movie in a different country to be breaking records, I mean, what do you think? Is that is that just like a testament to the popularity of the show? Or is that this movie that good? Well, have either of you seen the movie? Or has it not even gotten, like, a release outside of Japan yet? It has not been released officially outside of Japan. So I have not seen it. I'm also um, not a big subtitle guy, especially when it comes to anime. Um, you know, the, I just, I, I, pr I tend to prefer the dubs. I'm going to wait for it before I watch this movie. But I am in really interested in what this movie is, so I probably will watch it. So, um... Just counterpoint, I tend to like subtitles more. I generally think dubs are really awkward. Fight, uh, sounding. fight, fight. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, but uh, referring to the movie specifically, I am far from an expert on a lot of anime. Um, I suspect that all of us on this channel, so I mean... If you are more knowledgeable about this topic, then feel free to shoot a comment down below. Um, so I'm going to speak, hopefully not out of too much ignorance here. Um, but one thing that I thought was interesting is that I have um, uh, heard about anime movies before based on kind of these like shonen mangas. And typically they're kind of side adventures and they show the manga, yeah, it's like a long the story of the manga on TV. Like the show is the is what mm. the real story, and then we get these side stories. Um, and so I don't Movies know what precedence. Uh, it may be that there is precedence for this in Japan, and I'm just not familiar with it. But this is what, in from my very like just American perspective, um, this is the first time I personally have heard that the direct continuation of the storyline 
for a very popular anime slash manga series is adapted to film first. Like, as in the story continues on that film. And I'm wondering whether that is a strategy that may have had to do something with its success. Um, though I have no idea if that's true or not. And I'm so that maybe someone on the ground around there might be able to comment more on that. I actually didn't know that was the case. I, I just assumed this was like most of the other ones I'm familiar with, where it's just, it's basically like a long episode, mm-hmm. right? Like, you just take an episode of like this random adventure and they stretch it out to the length of a movie. Um, and not like a plot moving episode, but like one of the filler episodes that just made it long. That's that's what I'm used to if I'm thinking of like, you know, like a Dragon Ball Z movie or, uh, you know, um, a One Piece movie or something. That's usually what I expect. So it's, it's interesting to me that this would be more, um, you know, you have in order to know what's going on in the show, you have to have seen the movie. That probably does motivate people. Like it probably moves butts and seats, I assume. I mean, assuming that this is unique to that, I guess. But again, I'm not super familiar with the circumstances, but that is my understanding of what's going on. Yeah. And well, I'm also just guessing that Demon Slayer is a already like huge property. Um, okay. I had, I had never heard of it until <laughs> Braden showed me the article. Um, but I just, I don't really watch anime or keep up with it, so I'd have no idea. Um, so, um, I have seen the show and I, I've seen the full, the full first season and what I can say about it, if I was going to give it a review, like I said, I haven't seen the movie, but just like the show, the show is another like typical anime film. Like the main character, his whole thing is like, I want to get stronger he meets baddies that are progressively stronger and stronger, must beat the baddies by craning, etc. Like, you've heard this story before. Um, you know, nothing new. The thing that makes it stand out, and I believe, actually, this is, like, the new most popular. So I think the oldest most popular anime for, like, years, I guess, was One Piece. And this has dethroned it. Like, this is the new biggest um, selling, top-selling anime uh, at the moment. And uh, the thing that, that sets us apart, and it, it is set apart, it's, it's actually pretty good, is the animation. The animation quality of the show is, I mean, like movie level. And every episode is like that. And so that's the draw to me. To me, it's not so much the plot or the writing. I mean, it's all serviceable. Like, it's fine. You know, I'm not going to, like, say it's bad. But it's just, it's nothing new. It's just your typical anime show. Um, writing but the animation is a step above like considerably i think so if the show's already got like movie level animation does that mean like the the movie's animation like has transcended (laughs) (laughs) i kind of hope that'd be pretty cool i mean yeah i maybe i'll see it one of these days i don't know I wonder if you could see the movie without seeing the show. If it is a continuation of the story, I wonder how self-contained it is. In my mind, in order to break records the way that it did, like, it couldn't possibly just be fans watching it. Right? Like, that that doesn't seem like it'd be... I can't think of a show ever that is popular enough that if only the fans of that show saw the movie, that it would become the number one, uh, you know, grossing movie, like, of all time. 
um, which this is the case in, the, in Japan. So I imagine that it's, it's self-contained enough that you could not know anything about Demon Slayer and probably come out enjoying it. Um, and also, usually, like, these really big, you know, record-breaking movies are movies that you see more than once. I think it's like the, the story of Titanic, the reason it was uh, number one is, you know, obviously it was very popular, but also that people would see it multiple times. Same thing with Star Wars. So I wonder if this is the case that it's the kind of movie that, uh, you know, you, is, is good for multiple watchings. This is all speculation. I mean, I've never seen it, but. Yeah, none of us live in Japan, so we can't. <laughs> can't give you the full deets it oh. is it is oh yeah or just question uh like so i mean i don't know anything about the um situation in japan but like i guess theaters there do they have to like social distance do you know yes um, i've okay. heard that that is the case yeah yeah the article mentioned it that uh like they they have to they have to have limited capacity that they, they're not able to fill every seat at once. But that, that apparently there was long lines to see this movie, um, despite the limited capacity, which I don't know how safe that is. Not <laughs> judgment on that. <laughs> but uh, this movie was apparently good enough um, that it, it uh, demanded that people wait in line to access these limited theaters. This is what Tenet wanted to be. Tenant wanted <laughs> and just was unable <laughs> to, to make it happen. But this I still Demon Slayer movie. movie. <laughs> the Demon Slayer movie, it, it achieved Tenet's dream. <laughs> Sounds know. like Nolan needs to find a new medium. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when uh um you know, when it gets its kind of American release, maybe maybe we'll watch it on this show and we'll, we'll be able to give you a more in-depth analysis of what, what this movie is. If it, if it really lives up to the hype. <laughs> if it's actually better than Spirited Away. Which, I mean, I, I love that movie. Like, I truly, truly do. Uh, yeah, I love Spirited I hope, Away, I hope too. this is better. I'm all about seeing great movies, so I hope that you could beat it. That'd be awesome. You know, I have, I have my skepticism. But uh, we'll see. Uh, so does anyone have any final thoughts on uh, the Demon Slayer movie? No. Can't comment. Haven't seen it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. With that, we're going to turn to the movie we all watched for this episode, uh, which is With Nail and I, a 1987 kind of dark comedy, uh, British comedy. Um, as we usually do, you know, kind of spoiler-free Realize this movie is very old, but you know some some viewers may not have seen it. So just uh, without spoiling anything, uh, you know what were your thoughts? Kind of how did you like the movie? Um, yeah. Well, I'm interested to hear what um, you guys think first because I've kind of grown up with this movie. I've seen it a fair amount of times and I've known it since I was like a teenager so it holds somewhat of a special place in my heart somewhat <laughs> I mean I can start and uh, just as an aside in honor of this movie I've been drinking this uh, cold brew in uh, honor of the one um, of the with nail the titular character uh, who is an alcoholic 
Um, this movie reminded me a lot of, uh, and actually, when I was reading the Wikipedia uh, page, apparently this is a um, a uh, direct inspiration to a lot of the kind of movies I was thinking in my head uh, when I watched it. But like, if you like, apparently this was a direct um, inspiration for like Pineapple Express, uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas was actually the movie that came to mind most in my head about like a kind of a comparison, in the, in the sense that it is a it is a comedic movie about people who are constantly a little bit off their rocker, in this case, usually because of alcohol, but there are other substances involved. Um, and uh, it's kind of just a dark comedy kind of about their lives. You know, nothing particularly amazing happens, but it doesn't need to because the characters are wacky enough to kind of carry the comedy. Um, so overall, I would say that I enjoyed it. Uh, it was not the kind of movie that had me like in tears or, you know, I could doubled over laughing um, the, I think the, the mood that I would kind of give as far as myself throughout the movie was, uh, it was amusing. Like the, the situations were amusing, not necessarily hilarious or, you know, I could, you know, whatever, but it was, it was amusing all the way throughout so that, you know, it wasn't a boring movie. It was, it kept your, it kind of keeps your attention. Uh, the characters are fairly engaging. Um, I, I wonder if I, I, I get the feeling, or I've heard uh, in both in the Wikipedia article and uh, I think JL, you might have told me this before we even watched it, that like a lot of the the humor might be more geared towards, like I guess there's a lot of British kind of aphorisms and things in there that I definitely don't really know or aren't familiar with in terms of how they speak. So I might be missing some of the jokes is what I'm saying, by not being British. Uh, so like I recognize that I might be limited in that capacity, uh, but I still enjoyed it. it. It's still an enjoyable movie. So that, I guess that's my that's my thoughts. All right. Um, so I think I may have enjoyed it a little bit more than Brayden. Uh, and perhaps I was uh, just in the right mood, but I don't know. I think that I would have... Uh, like cracked up at this movie no matter what situation I was in. Uh, this is the spoiler-free uh, portion, so I wish I could just quote the movie like over and over again at you to uh, give a sense of what this movie is like. But it's um, there were parts when I was just just a scene after scene, and I was still laughing. It was just I. I there's something about the the way the characters deliver their lines um, that uh, just so sincerely and saying such gibberish that I it just hit me. It I, I don't know how to to put it. I suppose. Um, and I also thought that the movie ended up being relatively profound. I think that you were right to bring up Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas because I actually think that it's similar in a lot of ways. Like not only like in terms of humor and often, but thematically as well. Um, yeah, the, the uh, end of an era thing. I mean, it's even right. set the same time period, uh, I think was uh, things that kind of paralleled both movies. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, so I think it was dealing with other days. Um, and so, um, but yeah, the fact that it was so funny and also uh, like willing to be so heavy. Um, and yet at the same time, I don't feel like it ever sacrificed either side of itself. 
of this uh, like heaviness, this willingness to be a little bit morose, and this kind of absurd, uh, just um, uh, dialogue-based comedy that I thought was hilarious. I, I don't know. I loved it, actually. Yeah. It's uh, actually interesting that uh, you guys uh, both bring up Fear and Loathing because that's actually kind of how I managed to find out about this film. Because I think the original like cover art or poster for this film is illustrated by um, Ralph Steadman, who did the artwork for the original Fear and Loathing book. And so that's how I found out about this movie. Um, and yeah, like I said, I've grown up with it. It's always been one of my favorite comedies um it's and i really like that um kind of infinitely quotable aspect of it it's like kind of like the big lebowski where almost every line is just almost gold like you can just quote it and it's fun and the movie's strengths really rely i think or a lot of it comes from the screenplay and the performances Richard E. Grant as Withnull is amazing. Um, he gives a <laughs> just one of the best performances ever as like a miserable drunken asshole. Like the kind of person you like hate probably to like hang out with in real life, but who's hilarious to watch on screen. And the funny thing is, is that actor doesn't even drink. Like... <laughs> He had never drank before, um, before or acting in that movie. And the director actually like had to force him. He's like, well, you have to get drunk at least once just to give some truth to your performance. And that's I think that's a testament to his acting chops because he pulls it off with. Yeah, um, great skill. So, yeah, this is like it's. Yeah, I guess depending on who you are, like for me, I think the first time I see it, I wasn't necessarily laughing out loud, like constantly, but I was kind of like Braden said, amused. I was very much enjoying it. Like, it's just fun to see these characters interact, to hear, <laughs> to hear their, I guess, gibberish. Um, it's, it's witty gibberish. Uh and yeah, the movie, and I like the tone because there's kind of always this melancholic, like cloud of despair kind of hanging over the film, but the movie treats it like somewhat like farcically. It's like, you have to laugh at this or else like you'll want to kill yourself. Something like that. Um, yeah, this is, and it's. This is the thing. I've only ever met one other person in my life who knew this film, and they were from the UK. Like, from my experience, Americans just don't seem to know this film, which is kind of a shame because it's like it definitely deserves its um, status as a cult classic. It's. Yeah, I don't know. It's a very well written, very well acted film. So I guess the consensus is everyone liked it, you know, because uh, I kind of like the um, our, our kind of like three star scale, good movie, mm -hmm. bad movie, mediocre movie. 
I think this we can say it's a good movie. You know? <laughs> Don't get too granular about like the seven out of tens or the nine out of ten. You know, it was oh, a good. Yeah. It's a good movie. <laughs> What's the difference between the seven and an eight anyway? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it is a good movie, and you should watch it. There. <laughs> um. I guess uh, before we end the spoiler-free bit, uh, just one final question that we like to ask here, which is, uh, could you recommend this to anyone, or is there a specific type of person who might enjoy this movie and a type of person that might not? So I think this is kind of a weird Rorschach test of a movie, uh, because I do think maybe that this is not a movie for everyone, but at the same time, I don't know how you would determine that person until they've seen the movie. So I feel like put on the movie, watch it together, and if they respond positively, they're that type of person. (laughs) Fair enough. I guess I will say this. Um, I think there is a, a fundamental difference between British and American comedy. I don't know if I could articulate it super well right now. Um, I th- I'm sure other people have written about this before. I'm sure I'm not the first person to come up with this idea. But uh, this strikes me as very, very British comedy. Um, and so if you are a fan of British comedy, then this is probably, you're going to be enjoy this. If you've seen British comedy before and you're like, this is not, you know, I don't like this style of comedy. I think that the difference is, is I think British comedy tends to be darker it tends to be more... Um, yeah, they're all miserable and they hate themselves. Like, that seems to be the joke, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, there, there is... I don't want to, like, you know, pin it, pigeon it as if like, that's all a British comedy, but I think that, that tends to be kind of more true um, as far as I can tell. So anyway, it's, it's, it's dark humor, so you have to like dark humor. And it's, uh, you know, it's very British. So if those things sound appealing to you, then, you know, by all means, go for it. If you're not a fan of dark comedy, if you're not a fan of British comedy, I guess, for whatever reason, then, uh, you know, maybe maybe this one isn't, isn't for you. Yeah, yeah I'd say if, because a lot of the humor is very, like, dialogue heavy. And if that's, like, it, does that interest you? Like, you it, know, it has like, some good slap banter, points, like, though. back and forth. Like, it definitely does, but... I, but a good chunk of it um, comes from the actual dialogue itself. Um, so I'd say if that kind of appeals, that sounds appealing to you, then go for it. But I also think it's worth just watching for Richard E. Grant as Withnall. I, I love that performance. It's brilliant. All right. Well, with that, we will end the spoiler-free portion. As always, if you haven't seen it and you don't want it spoiled, you know... Don't click us out. Just pause. Pause, watch it, come back. Um, but uh, spoilers from here on out. Um, so it's interesting that Withnall is your favorite character here because he was not my favorite character. I, I liked him. But actually, the, uh, the, the drug dealer buddy, to me, was the standout <laughs> character. And he's the one who made me laugh the most, for sure. I, just, I couldn't get enough of him. Actually, I think the first time I saw the movie, I'm, he might have been my favorite character, too. But it's just because he's kind of that stereo. 
typical drug guy, but also at the same time, not Different. quite. I don't know how to explain yeah. it. Oh. He's more philosophical. It's like a it's like a stoner philosophical. So like nothing he says makes any sense whatsoever, but it sounds more profound. You know, he's not like just saying like, whoa, dude, far out. You know, like there's more to it than that. He's like making these points. Um, you know, I have, I have a terrible memory or I'd quote his lines to you. But uh, they're, they're just like hilarious. There's like the thing about it, like an elevator. He's like, so you think about the elevator. Like, do you get off the elevator or do you get higher? And then he smokes the joint. <laughs> and like, that's like such a stupid metaphor. <laughs> like, what are you saying? <laughs> but at the same time, like, it's very clever, first of all. And uh, it's it sounds like something that could be profound, right? Especially... If you were inebriated, you know, it could sound, you know, more profound than it is. Like, it's just, is perfect. Um, and so, like, he had so many moments like that, which I just found amazing. Um, so, yeah, I guess he was my favorite. I did like Withnall. I mean, he's he's very much a dick. Um, so he's also, in a sense, unlikable. Um, I guess I felt for the the lead a little bit <laughs> with all the ways that with like fuck with him. Um, <laughs> but that being said, his his performance of playing the drunkard, of not only just a drunkard but like the entitled drunkard, was uh, very convincing for sure. Yeah, it's just a spoiler review. This movie just like us going to be quoting our favorite lines <laughs> go for it <laughs> you've got to help us we've gone on holiday by mistake <laughs> love that he's like don't you threaten me with the dead fish <laughs> the poacher just walks into the bar Pulls an eel out of his pants and just smacks it on the couch. Are we there? No, we're not. We're here. And it's like raining. It's just... oh. I'm sorry. It's a great film. We should talk about, um, uh, I can't remember the, the name, but the uncle. Right. Uncle Monty, who's... Yes, the flamboyant monkey, who I recognize from Harry Potter. As yes, Mr. Dudley. Um, I I really appreciated his whole role here, as like the eccentric, flaming homosexual man who puts our lead uh, into many uncomfortable circumstances. It was uh, that that whole bit is just hilarious to me. Yeah, I I love like just he's such like an eccentric esthete like he'll go on like these like lyrical monologues he's like what what a thing it is in your youth to know that you will never play the dane Such <laughs> crushing moments something like that <laughs> i'm just saying like i said i didn't laugh a lot uh for this movie more kind of like you know amusing but something that did actually make me laugh was when he came into the room in the night and was, was like, we don't have to play these games anymore. <laughs> like, I want you. Yeah. And the guy's like... Oh. <laughs> yeah, that aspect of the movie, it's... I wonder if that hasn't aged quite as well. Like, 
Yeah, I Which, mean, I, I I like to think, and like I, I actually think that um, you know, as if if you can kind of separate that the joke isn't necessarily that he is homosexual, but the the joke is that he is unwanted creepy advances which is also dark right so admittedly that you know it probably feel different um under but I, but yeah i i that being said it is kind of hilarious like yeah. the way just that film is or that uh scene is like filmed and directed and um presented and apparently i guess that was uh the director and writer bruce robinson i guess that was actually inspired by a real by, moment. Yeah, I saw that. In the, yeah, because he was in the 60s version of Romeo and Juliet, the film. Um, and he uh, was in, uh, played a character in that film. And I guess the director, like, was a creepy director that wouldn't leave him alone. Mm, yeah. We uh, just like to briefly touch on it. I think it was kind of cool that this movie is uh, was partly produced by George Harrison of the Beatles fame. And uh, also, apparently, uh, Ringo Starr had some kind of, like, consulting role or something. And so this movie got to have a Beatles song in it, which most movies don't get to do. Um, and it's a George Harrison song, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the soundtrack in general was pretty cool. As far as, like, the 60s... Um, aesthetic of it in general. You know, I guess we could talk about some of the themes of the movie. You're talking about like an end of the era. It wasn't kind of uh, as central of a focus as it was in Fear and Loathing of like, you know, the 60s are ending, we're ending anew. But it was touched on multiple times, uh, particularly by Danny saying, you know, you talked a lot about how like, this is 1969, like it's all over. Uh, we're moving on. And that is kind of emblematic of... Um, I don't remember the main character's name, the titular I. He he's also well, you. Odd. You never learn his actual name in the movie. Okay, <laughs> he's just and I. Even in the credits, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's and I. Well, and I. Um, he uh, he's also moving on. Right, the sixties are over. He's going to move on with his life at the end of the movie. He's uh, he's going to miss Withnal. But he also is ready to let him go. He's not trying to maintain the relationship. Um, yeah, can we talk about that ending for a second? To this, oh film? yeah, the quote, or just the first time I saw this movie, like I was, you know, generally having a blast. You know, it's a good comedy, and then, but the ending kind of is just like almost blindsides you. It's it's not funny. Yeah, it's a downer. Yeah. Um. But it's fitting, I think. It actually kind of fits with Noel's, like, or his arc. Like, because he's just been a huge asshole, basically, to the other character, I, in this whole film. And it's, you almost kind of get the sense that I just kind of has to have, like, has been dealing with him just because he kind of have has had to. And sure, they're like, they've had some like funny and fun moments, but like ultimately like they were like 
no, they weren't getting anywhere. They were just like getting drunk or high all the time, just being miserable. And he has to chance to get away and Withnal's being left behind. And it's a pretty somber but real moment. And it ends with him quoting Hamlet, which is just... <laughs> yeah, I, I, you've been kind of talking about uh, with the performance of Withnail. You mentioned the actor's name. Uh, I can't remember it right now. Richard and, E. Grant. Uh, that's right. He uh, And I did... That moment kind of did strike me. It's a great performance of this Hamlet line in this show that is not Hamlet. It is just where this guy is a failed actor who like ignores opportunities that are available to him because it's not good enough for him mm. among other things. And so this guy essentially has um, like stared reality in the face and rejected it, which is kind of the narrative, right? This I character and I character uh, is will prepared to accept reality and kind of enter the world working world he's got a role in a new play or something like that right um and i think that another interesting uh, aspect of this theme is that these characters are warned about the idea of behind this film over and over again we were talking about monty before um and uh, uh just very briefly to kind of touch on the uh, homosexuality thing. I, I thought it was nice uh, for a film like in 1987 to for the characters to feel end up feeling sympathetic to this character and to for and also for lines like I you know I'm used to sleeping on the couch. It's kind of like a acknowledgement of these of like people as people. Like we're still experiencing things whether um, you know you're. Uh, homosexual or not but the point is is that uh, the point i'm trying to make is that monty all throughout this film is making statements about the end of an era about accepting the end of things um you know the the drug dealer in this film is making these statements and there people are constantly saying things about this and we even see imagery there's a moment where i think where there's a wrecking ball destroying like the tenement houses you might remember like that they're walking away from um and so it, and it's happening all in front of these characters eyes and they're just kind of just shambling around around oblivious to it until um the mate the lead character realizes he's getting evicted and that hasn't even been thought and with male doesn't seem to care even at the very end you know um i i, I thought that uh like the movie is funny it really is funny but i think that it really treated its themes effectively it never forgot them the entire film even when it was made cracking jokes um so yeah it's good stuff what do you guys have you guys heard about the the uh, original ending so I, apparently, apparently there was an ending that was cut and the original ending uh with nil has the same hamlet quote I guess, but also, um, like he kills himself at the end. Or actually, I don't even know if the Hamlet quote is there, but he, he, like, he, he. Yeah, I read about that. Like, he, yeah, uses a shotgun and shoots himself. I don't know if that was ever, like, filmed or anything. I think. Just but it was the original the... written ending. Okay. What, what do you guys think about, you know, how would you have felt about the movie if that had been the ending? Would it have affected your enjoyment? Um, do you think they made the right move about changing it? 
I think so, because the suicide ending would have been maybe too drastic of a tonal shift. Like, I could still see it fitting somewhat, but I kind of like the more, like, somber, like, poetic tone of... Yeah, and um, I I said it wasn't funny, but it is still a little absurd about this drunken guy yelling Hamlet lines in the park. Like, it's still yeah. kind of like... It's uh, just a bunch of, like, dogs behind a fence that yeah. aren't paying attention. Oh, it's beautiful. I love it. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I would agree. I think they definitely made the right move about not using that ending. Um, and I, I, the ending that we got was pretty great. So I, I don't know if I would have messed with it. Yeah, I agree. I think that there's a, often a concept in storytelling. I've heard... Uh, like, according to one writer that I follow, uh, they call it the promise, which is this idea that in your story, there, um, you can't, uh, it's okay to blindside, like, the readers with information or something, but the those same readers or viewers or the audience, essentially, um, they can't be blindsided in a way that makes them like feel cheated so and i think that that ending does feel a little bit like cheating because there wasn't anything in the film that implied that kind of result uh so i feel like you'd have to structure something kind of foreshadow that kind of consequence earlier on in the film to pull off an ending like that um yeah i think it ended well the way it did because like i said before in the non-spoiler section um i felt like this movie never sacrificed its comedy for its tone uh, for its like kind of sadder tone um and i think it did that well because we got to see the sadness in everyone's dialogue everyone was talking about it monty the drug dealer etc and characters were just kind of like ignoring it right um but there isn't anything to imply that people are killing themselves over this. I, I, I don't know. I, so I, I agree. I think that this ending was good. What's uh, everyone's favorite scene? If you had to pick one, I could start to give you guys time to think. Um, my very favorite scene, I think, is the, the ending scene where they have that giant joint. Um, but even the before that, carrot. You, he finds when the main character finds the the stranger in the bathtub, and there's kind of like <laughs> full outrage that is just quickly dissipated as soon as he mentions that he's got this like you know grass for Mexico, and then all of a sudden there's no more problems. They're on the couch, and then he starts waxing poetic. That a whole uh, series of events I think might have been my very favorite part of the whole movie. I actually really like the beginning we're first introduced to the characters and then um uh the not with no the other character i is like freaking out like because he's like just too high he's like i think i'm overdosing (laughs) and then with and then they try to like deal with the sink which is the most grotiest thing i've ever seen (laughs) and they're like i think something's alive it's like what is it matter where's it coming from (laughs) that's pretty good um my favorite scene 
I I think that one of my favorite scenes for sure. Uh, I'd have to think back if this is my favorite, but one of my favorite scenes is um, the main character is seen driving the entire film, and then at one point it cuts and he's asleep in the back of the car, and we, we realize that With Nail is driving, and like a Jimi Hendrix song is playing in the background, <laughs> and you see him drive, and like the way he's driving is just whenever there's a car, he just gets in front Puts of it, it right in front of it. <laughs> Just, there's so much space but he just doesn't have <laughs> and the cops like pull him over and then they like make him take like a piss test that he turn like they flip over the curtain and there's like a tube coming out of his pants which was set that up that whole before. sequence yeah. just yeah that was i love that get at the back of the van <laughs> i love that line. that one cop oh, the one cop he's yeah. like screaming <laughs> i love it all right. Does anyone have any so, uh, a, Oh, yeah. Or just a fun fact I want to bring up. Apparently, there's a drinking game associated with this movie where you, as the viewer, try game. to drink every drink that Withnull is seen drinking in this movie, which I think if you actually did all that, that might kill you. I'm not sure. <laughs> well, what, what is the, what is it, antifreeze or like, uh, oh, he drinks like, um, it's not antifreeze. It's a lighter fluid. Yeah, there's like a joke made about like, like I might drink antifreeze. He's like, don't mix your drinks. <laughs> <laughs> that whole sequence was excellent. <laughs> it's like, you're holding out on me. You have some. What's in your tool shed? You've got antifreeze. <laughs> you should never mix your drinks. <laughs> but yeah, that... <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure it would, uh, if you actually tried to go, I mean, hopefully, even if you excuse that, you you know, don't drink. And here on Amateur Theory Podcast, we do not advocate <laughs> drinking any kind of lighter fluid or antifreeze <laughs> under any circumstance. Uh, I mean, no, if you play the actual game where you try to drink, I don't think they replace the lighter fluid with, I think, like <laughs> something else. It's <laughs> don't drink actual lighter fluid. Oh, my God. <laughs> But no, it would just be a lot of alcohol in general because he is he is always drinking at all times. Um, I think a, a, maybe a, a more tame version of the game is just to take a sip of your drink every time you see with not with a drink. Yeah, maybe. You don't have to match his chugging of liquor and such that he does throughout. Um, <laughs> if you wanna, if you wanna be a little safer and still have fun. No, you gotta match every drink. You gotta match every drug, every cigarette. <laughs> Oh gosh! It's a joke. We're not endorsing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when he's not drinking, he is smoking. Like <laughs> basically at all times, there's something going on with with him. Um, but okay, is there any other uh, like kind of final thoughts about with Noel and I? Um, Go watch it. Go watch it. Yeah, seriously, it's a great cult classic comedy, and you will get a entire notebook filled with quotable lines at this film. It's 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 pretty brilliant. I. All right, and with that, we're going to uh, go into what we've been watching. So um, I can start. Uh, I have just re now, actually, just before this podcast, I have. Completely rewatched for the second time, um, Midnight Gospel, which is a Netflix show. Uh, it is a 
a podcast that is animated, essentially. But the animation and what they're talking about with the podcast aren't necessarily related to all that much. But there is a um, – the podcasts are interesting, and then the animation is perhaps even more interesting. Um, and there is like a storyline that kind of fits all the podcasts together. It's it's a it's a great show enough that I have now watched it for a second time, um, and would recommend it to anybody. Has anyone else watched anything? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I saw Adam's screen go up, so I thought he was going to say something. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, um, I, I was just waiting to see if someone was going to interject. I have been watching a lot of The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, which I have never seen. Um, and uh, I, you know, I can see how it launched Will Smith into a star. Like, he's just, like, pure charisma on that show. Um, um, I gotta say, the comedy is pretty tame. Like, they generally tend to just make a bunch of short jokes like the entire season is my experience with a, a lot of the comedy on that um but you know it's uh fun and i've never seen it before so all right well i've got you guys all beat because this past week i watched every single twilight movie really <laughs> I not by myself. I I watched them online with a friend. Um, but I went through this whole series and <laughs> what are your final I thoughts? Think, I think it almost nearly killed me. I don't know, but okay. So the first movie might I might actually consider so bad it's good. The first movie is actually pretty entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> And then the others are just kind of, uh, there's a lot of silly stuff, but they can actually be fairly boring at times um, until you get to the very end when there is just this like huge fight scene out in the snow. Like people are like ripping each other's heads off. A dude like punches the ground and it like splits open <laughs> and you see like lava. <laughs> someone like takes another person and just like throws them in front of a wolf and the wolf starts eating her it's... dude it actually owns it's pretty awesome <laughs> so... so the it, i mean so it's kind of like avengers endgame basically is what i'm saying this was this was avengers endgame before actual avengers endgame <laughs> All no, right. but yeah, I, I mean, like, I watch these movies as, like, kind of a joke and to get a laugh out of them. And, like, I did, but you, if you're interested in that, if you really want to do this, just watch the first movie and then, like, watch the last half hour of the last movie, and you're good. <laughs> All right, and with that, that wraps up another episode of the Amateur Theory Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you liked what you heard... You know, please uh, give us a follow, give us a like, subscribe. Um, we read all the comments on our YouTube channel. So if you uh, post a comment and have a suggestion about what uh, you would like to us to watch next, we're uh, all ears. 
or uh, all, all eyes. I don't know. Um, but until next time. Bye-bye.